You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. This episode is brought to you by Red Wolf Mountain Bike Tours in beautiful Brevard, North Carolina. Red Wolf offers private guided tours on some of the best trails throughout the Pisgah National Forest and DuPont State Recreational Forest. They're conveniently located near Asheville, North Carolina, and they just want you to have a good time. Their main goal is for each and every one of you to have the best trail experience possible. They do their best to cater to each individual's goals and abilities. Whether or not you want to ride a leisurely pace or finish with a nice swim in a lake, awesome. You want to knock out as much mileage and climbing as possible, they can do that too. So whatever your goals for the trip are, they can design a ride that works for you. So head over to redwolftours.com and be sure to follow them on Instagram. It's at redwolftours. You sucker is lame. It is a shame. But that's why you listen to J-R-A. They teach you the way and they can explain why. Brought to you by Maple Syrup Flavored. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Just Fiber Pace Handjobs <laughs> in the year 2018. And Andrea really wanted this show to be brought to you by Fiber Paste Handjobs. And I thought that was just a little too much. And we had a little sound clip from our test recording where we decided that the reason Andrea sounded bad because she was turned down. And I wanted it to be that, but I'll just let you guys decide. Let us know. Fiber Paste Handjob or Turned Down? Which one would have been a more appropriate episode title? <laughs> With that, I want to dive right into the. What do you really think our users or listeners are going to pick? Well, if it's the first show they've ever listened to, they're going to email me, and like the only thing they would make it worse if I dropped a GD right now, and then it would just be the ultimate trifecta. All but, right. anyways, um, Justin D from Colorado sent over twenty five dollars. Trailer trash, not blank. From California, gave fifty dollars with a note. You guys are awesome. Here's a little meth money from the trailer park. Oh, I think he's uh, following me on Instagram. Keep up the audio badassery. Jason H from Texas gave fifty dollars with a note. Great show. I dedicate this donation to my friend Dave, who, despite not owning a mountain bike and having a small penis, decided <laughs> to try Leadville. He bought a bike, <laughs> trained, and actually finished. As part of his training, he raced the Breck Firecracker Fifty, a real mountain bike race which was the first yes. time he had biked in Colorado. Oh, he did boy. that race just a few hours off the plane from Texas on a borrowed bike. Jason from Texas, who once rode a Monarch trail shuttle with Andrea, who is a badass. And then Brandon D from Minnesota gave $25 with a note nug fund. So how long ago was that? Because I did Monarch crest like mid, like, I don't know, 2014, like the year before I did vapor trail, I think. So, I don't know, but before we get off the topic of Nuggets, Tom B. sent over a Nine News Australia article that is titled, Don't Panic, Macca's Pledge After Massive Nugget Spill. Oh, oh. Oh, that's uh, playing through my And it says, things. McDonald's have assured their customers there will not be a nugget shortage after a truck crash left one million of the chicken morsels sprawled over a Melbourne freeway. Well, it's in Australia. There's probably fucking spiders eating all of them. All now. the outboard lanes of the human freeway were closed after the truck hit an unoccupied car parked in the emergency lane about 11.20 p.m. Um, so the truck driver and I would be I would be tossing all those nuggets in my trunk. <laughs> the truck driver oh, they're in boxes and, and his dog escaped unscathed and were taken to hospital. Not the hospital, but to hospital for assessment. <laughs> but 20 tons of nuggets and filet of fish patties were not so lucky with the stock destined for the rubbish tip. 
There's definitely I'd leave the fillet for other there, drivers, and I would get the nugs. Is one of the pictures shows a skid steer loading up boxes in its bucket. That guy definitely just drove by on his skid steer and stole a bucket load of nuggets. Probably. Um, so, I mean, you have to watch out in Australia because the boxes probably have like deadly snakes and spiders in them, don't you? We're going to keep, we have a lot to cover and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just don't want to get into the like Australia. I'm like, fascinated by, by Australia. It seems really dangerous. Like in an unnecessary way, like just everyday life, like, oh, fuck, a deadly spider just bit me. <laughs> yeah pretty much oh i've got more nugget trivia. or there's like a, a so, box jellyfish in your drinking water or something i went to mcdonald's after a ride the other day haven't been to mcdonald's in a really long time i was craving some nuggets went with the crew of people i rode hold on, with pause. and i was really looking forward to getting a 40 piece nugget yeah meal. kenny but hold on we need to explain yeah. to our listeners you said you hadn't been to mcdonald's in a really long time for you that's like six hours right <laughs> in all seriousness, I have not been to McDonald's in probably like three months. Okay. okay. So you want to go a few piece. times a year. Usually I go to McDonald's like on road trips. That's about it. All right. But anyway, I wanted a 40 piece. I was all excited. They don't actually have a 40 piece on the menu. What the fuck? Like it's not an orderable thing. They just give you two 20 pieces. But not only that, they put the 20 pieces in 10 piece boxes. <laughs> So you just get a 20 piece is just two tens. So there's no reason to get it. It's just silly. It's so you get I wanted four them all in like a piece nuggets. So hold on. Hold on. Wouldn't the best thing to do be order 22 pieces so you get 20 sauces? <laughs> uh, I don't know. There is some economies of scale there. It is cheaper to get like the big quantity. But anyway, I was just super bummed that but you got four there, boxes. I was expecting... Like this really special thing, you know, or like them to like, you know, ring a bell or do something <laughs> special, you know, like when you go to a restaurant and they've got like the 10 pound burger and like you finish it and your name goes on the wall or whatever, but nothing. Not Did you shit. hope it was like a helmet of nuggets they would bring you? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a awesome. Full, you got the dipping sauce. full face there. helmet full of McNuggets. Dude, you would leave it upside down. You would hold the chin piece like a handle and you put the sauce in the visor. And the yeah. nuggets would be like where your head goes. Oh, my and then, God. Like, so you'd just be like, and you would reach through the face portion and then slap it in the sauce of the visor on the way out and just ram it in your face. Just so arm. if we have a listener that sends us a video of a full face helmet full of nuggets with the sauce on the visor holding the chin bar and eating it as Matt just described, we'll send you some stickers. I'll, what I'm thinking is I want a beer helmet or, style or thing. You could, each of those little, oh, each of the beer holders is sauce. Like if someone actually went to a McDonald's and, and videoed that from inside McDonald's, we'd probably, like you could be on an episode of JRA. Nah, I'll send you a bottle though. You do that, I'll send you a Mountain Bike Radio bottle full of stickers. And I'll only put my junk in the bottle a little bit. <laughs> um. Yeah, so is any, but I guess, do you want to just like, let's do this. Let's just dig into, oh God, I don't even, I like just got like a, remember the old system we used? I just got like a panic attack and I was like, oh shit, is it actually recording? Ah. Um, <laughs> so let's see, we took care of that. Uh, I got a couple of other things that are just like things to say, not really topic. So I want to knock those out quick. Jordan sent over 
a thing that says, hey, guys, love the pod. Keep it up. I heard Andrea say y'all didn't know a ton about power meters. DCRainmaker.com is an excellent resource for comparing them. The guy does very in-depth reviews based on what I've read on there. It seems like the Power 2 Max N-G-E-C-O, N-Gecko, maybe, um, is one of the best value power meters. It's sub $1,000, does dual-sided measurements with good accuracy. Seems like a good choice for someone getting in the game. Certainly better than stages. Keep spinning, Jordan. Um, so I think Jordan's right. And I think what Andrew meant is we don't have a ton of experience with not cork power meters personally, maybe. Yeah. But I'll put a link to this stuff up. It's really good. If you want to buy anything cycling or running related and you don't read his review first, you're probably like sad. Yeah. I mean, I, I've used, I used a wired SRM. So that's, that's how long I've been in the power meter game. Uh, it's <laughs> started at the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. So I had the wired, I had the wired and that was, it was pretty much flawless, except you had to send it in to get the batteries replaced and. How does that work? Do you get like 50 rotations and then you have to like untangle the cord from the crank? <laughs> no, it's a wire that goes to a sensor that's mounted on your bottom bracket. Like under the bottom bracket. Yeah, it's it's road only. It, they they didn't have mountain anything back then. Like no one did. But so <laughs> it's it, like that's that's what I used when I first got a power meter was I got a wired SRM power meter. Probably off of eBay or something. I mean, it was, you know. I was I was scraping then when I first started. So yeah, I use that and uh then I use cork. Um and I've always used cork since then. And I've watched Matt be like, but stages are cheaper, let me keep trying them and not being happy. Andrea's right, like usual. All right, one one other uh just kind of gimme. Curly from Eagle, Colorado. Hey guys and gals, my name is Sean and I live in Eagle, Colorado. I love the show. I agree with you about how most people overbike themselves for the trails they ride. I am presently riding the Santa Cruz High Tower, not LT. I easily keep up or outride people with bigger bikes. In your episode Overbike, you guys bounce around opinions and ideas about the new XC geometry and specs. It made me think of an interview I listened to on the Inside Line podcast titled Caesar Rolo of Uno Bikes and the Cerro Design. He talks about modern geo and how he has worked with companies like Intense to modernize their geometry. Using examples of moto and sport bike geo to show his logic. Please give it a listen. Thanks for the hours of entertainment. Sean Curley and his last name. Uh, but anyways, he sends over a link. I'll put that up with the show as well. So that's kind of all the gimmies. The rest are questions. I don't know. Do well, we, I got some feedback. About I was, uh, was going to say, do you want to like do normal business or is this like listener? We're going to do this bitch backwards because we can do whatever we want. So let's do like some listenery type stuff, but maybe not full blown questions. And then we can talk about our shit and then we can answer questions. All right, cool. That's all my like gimmies. What I mean is like cut listener statements, I guess is a way to put it. Well, I had a couple of listener statements about elk hunting. Oh, go. Um, I had Brad who was a little unsure of that, but he had never thought of it as being one of the most humane ways to get meat if you want to eat meat. Um, he doesn't really like it. That's okay. I mean, you don't have to like it. It's That's fine. I, I can see both sides of it, but, you know, I want to try harvesting my own meat. Um, then someone else, sorry, I didn't prepare for this at all. There we go. Eli sent me a, was really happy and sent me a link um, to um, 
something that's like education on like learning elk behavior and hunting better and stuff like that. So that's really cool. Um, thank you, Eli, for doing that. Um, I am also very excited. That's really, that was, those were the two, the feedbacks that I got about elk hunting. Anybody else with feedback? I've got a few. I go. Uh, this one, I think we, this came to the whole crew, but, uh, let's see. Is this, yeah, Brad, Brad just said that he liked the last show that we did about overbiking and yeah, we know it was a good show. We're fucking awesome, (laughs) but thank, but thanks for the email. That's, that was pretty cool. Uh, we're just, uh, touching listeners in their special places. Oh yeah. Uh, there's one other one. Oh, here we go. Doug Johnston. He was giving me feedback about his race face slash Easton, uh, crank, like the cinch style crank power meter. And at first he was like, uh, kind of pumped about it and seemed to be working. And then it seemed to, I guess he's got maybe like a trainer. I'm not going to go into the whole all the details so much. So if anybody's super interested, we can go into them, but basically he sent a super detailed email out. Um, I think he's got a, attack X trainer that he uses kind of as a reference. And at first it was pretty spot on and apparently it's been drifting pretty badly since then. So I guess take that for what it is. He, I don't think it's been completely like dropping out. Um, but the like average number has drifted quite a bit. So, um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a bummer to hear that. So, I mean, that's just one little snippet. Who knows? But, I mean, yeah, maybe has some hints of stages in there. I'm trying to remember. There was a collaboration between another company that helped them build that power meter because it wasn't like actually race face from scratch doing that because that's just not usually how the world works. Well, um, so. I saw pictures of something very similar to that like three years ago. And then yeah. that company kind of went away. Was it four eyes no, or something? four eyes is very stages-ish. It's just like a little okay. on the arm doodad. So what I'm curious about is I wonder if that other company was gobbled up by the Easton race face conglomerate and said, hey, let's put all of our eggs into this basket. Yeah, maybe it was. There's no telling. But anyway, there's some feedback for you. Doesn't seem to be the worst thing in the world, but it seemed to drift uh, maybe like 10 watts or something like that over time compared to his other one. But could be a fluke thing, could be a calibration thing, could be, yeah, who knows. Once again, if any power meter companies want to send us one for review so that we can give positive feedback on something besides Quark and SRM, uh, we would be happy to test them out. And I've got, uh, while we're talking about power meters, I'll just jump in here. And this is kind of on my personal stuff, but, uh, Nate, the, one of the product manager guys from Cork came by the shop and just kind of hung out and chatted stuff. And it's always fun to talk with people, you know, who are techie and have reasons for doing like why they do. And we just talked about a lot of stuff back and forth and it was, uh, it was a pretty good time. So we may be able to get Nate or one of his counterparts to be on the show and just talk shop, you know, talk the Cork talk about why they made the decisions they did and not do certain things versus others, whether it's, you know, spindle compatibility or whatever design choices they made on the thing. Uh, it's all really cool stuff and talked about the old power meters and, you know, issues that the, you know, if there's any issues that the current ones have, and it was just a cool conversation basically. So 
I know we talk really good about the cork on the show, and but the fact of the matter is, even if there's another powder meter out there that is close to the cork as far as reliability uh, and repeatability and everything else, cork just kind of cares about their stuff and cares about their customers, which is really cool. So I mean, I just have the utmost um, confidence that when I sell somebody a cork, that even if they do have a problem down the road, they're going to get taken care of. Like they just will. And that's really yep. cool. And I think I heard what you said, like, and I'll say like Kenny said, like the selfish or, you know, selfless way of like, well, if my customer has a problem, it gets taken care of. And now I'll take the selfish approach of like, if the customer has a problem, I don't have to look like an idiot because it actually gets fixed. Yeah, exactly. And efficiently, you know, so there's that. Um, I just have to dig that in there. So sorry, not sorry. (laughs) But anyway, that's my random cork thing. So it might be cool if we can get them on the show and just talk about stuff. And we talked about, I guess he's also in some manner was in charge of the Shockwiz uh, development, which is really cool. So we just kind of talk techie stuff about that. And uh, yeah, just cool, kind of cool stuff. I like the Shockwiz a lot. Yeah, it's really good. We bought a bunch at the shop uh, to play around with and, you know, do the whole rental thing and all that. So um, I know we talked about the Shockwiz like years ago when it first came out because uh, we all messed with it a little bit. And I've, I've messed with one since then, but I haven't actually owned one. So I'll probably have a personal one uh, coming down the road. So I, that'll be cool. I've been doing uh, I've been doing some Shockwiz. Like I've done one for a customer and then done some for like coworkers and myself. Um, and it's it's been really good. Like I, I feel like it, you, it gives you a place to go from once you've done like the factory recommendations on like sag and rebound and you know, you let someone go out and ride and then you, you take a look at it and you're like, yeah, we can like make just little bitty changes that make stuff really good. Oh, I know what I want to do. I'm going to hook it up to a brain front and rear <laughs> and see what it says. If it's like, uh, you need to get your stuff serviced. It's very broken. You should, like it's just gonna pop up on the display throw it in the river yeah it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> like they actually well the last disclaimer i saw was like if your shit's pretty much said it didn't say it literally like i'm saying it um if your shit is clapped out this is kind of like don't even bother like you know you need to make sure your stuff's in good working order before you try to tune it which makes perfect sense you know like it doesn't make up for the fact that like you haven't serviced your air spring in three years. So I, I'm really, I'm excited cause I'm, Oh, well this goes into like stuff that we're doing personally, but I'm, I'm going to be using a shock quiz for myself soon. Uh, do we have any other listener stuff? Like we have shout outs we want to talk about or let's, I guess let's dive into our personal stuff then like what we've been doing. Okay. You go. Oh, Okay. I went to Colorado and did some mountain biking maybe like a week ago, I think. Yeah, a week ago. Where did you go? Oh, you went to like Grand Junction or Fruita, didn't you? I went to Grand Junction and Fruita. So I did one day in each place. So Grand Junction did the kind of lunch loops area. I don't know all the trail names, but it was cool. We did some techie stuff. We did some more XC type stuff, did some exploring, did some hike a bike up some stuff. Um, Yeah, it was really good. So it's definitely super exposed out there. It's did you ride horse thief bench? Uh, so the second day we went to, uh, Fruta 
and we rode some little warm up loop thingy and then we rode horse thief. And I guess I've heard people talk about that horse thief drop in before. Uh, yeah. dear God, that thing is, that is like not even it's, playing around a tiny bit. That is like, <laughs> that is super rowdy. Have either of you guys ridden down that? I have not ridden it, but I've watched someone ride down it in person. Yeah. So that would, the cool part was I was there. I looked at it. I mean, obviously you look at it and realize other crazy shit you see. Obviously it's rideable. Uh, but definitely was waiting for that one person to, uh, you know, actually do it. And sure enough, uh, on the, after we finished our little loop down at the bottom, we were about to go up and there were a bunch of people kind of like uh, spotting basically. So we hung out and three different people came down and rode it successfully. Uh, two of them almost died, but <laughs> did, did the spotters save them? No, no. They just, they, they lost it towards the bottom, uh-huh. uh, but they did, they did probably the right thing, which is just let go of the damn brakes and just bounce off yeah. of shit. Because if you tried to yeah. bail, cause they were going just fast enough that if you tried to bail, it would go super bad and you might as well just at that point, try to ride it out. So they both didn't panic and they just basically got back on the bike and just sent it, which is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was, that thing is fucking gnarly. So mad props to any listeners out there in listener land who have actually cleared that thing. Cause Damn. It looks like when I when I looked at it, it looks like you could like most people could ride down about half of it. And then there's kind of like a a crux kind of drop chunky part that leads into more slightly just a tiny bit less chunky part. But it's like the middle part that really can like throw people off, I think. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you can ride, you know, I'd be pretty confident riding the first roughly half of it. But then, yeah, yeah, it gets Ooh, that's gnarly. Yeah, so it's like steppy, chunky, like wheel wants to catch your wheel. Like it pretty much just wants to like, it's like a black hole for front wheels. <laughs> yeah, for pretty much. So Matt, have you ridden that one? No, I've never been to Grand Junction. I've only been through it. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, um, yeah, you, you should, uh, you should try to ride that. I think you, you probably could. I bet you could ride it. Like you're good. But, you could do it. But damn, I think I would. If, if you fuck up, my, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Whatever. You just wear a full face. You'll be all right. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, that was it. What else did I do? Anything else cool? Did you do the ribbon trail there? Oh, I don't know. It's like a giant slab that you go down at like 500 miles an hour. Uh, no, I heard about that one. That's the one in. That's in Grand Junction. And yeah. I saw another yeah. a video of another dude riding that. No, unfortunately, I did not. And I really want to do that next time because that looks so freaking awesome. It It is pretty cool. But like, I mean, it, you you still rode cool stuff. And like, that's worth looking at if you're there. But like, don't feel terrible that you missed it. Um. Anyway, cool riding out there. Definitely lots of stuff to explore. Um. Yeah, really cool. Um. Yeah, so I guess Andrea is next. Uh, so I don't think I, I think when we recorded last, I said I'm going to spot tomorrow to try a mayhem. Was that, is that, does that sound right? I don't think I have, we've recorded since I went. We have not. Okay, so I went and I tried out the mayhem and holy shit, that bike is really cool. Like, you know, I, I mean, I've, it's, it's pretty like, you know, you've been riding for a long time. You can tell like when you get on a bike, like this is good. This is really good. Um, you know, like comparing it to like the Trek 
fuel, like the, the bike that I rode for a while. And now, um, I will sell when it's okay for me to advertise it as for sale. Um, it's, it pedals more like a pivot. So like, it's super good. It's really, really good. Like it just pedals really well. Like pedals great. Any of the unified rear triangle bikes pedal really well. You know, it pedals like those, like I'm going to say, there's no real significant difference, like pedaling up through like chunky or technical stuff. Like it feels a lot like that. Like it's one of the best ones out there. But then like you get into like rolly or like stuff you might want to jump. Like it's like the, the living link thing, like boosts you and it's, it's awesome. Like I've never ridden a bike like that before. And so I'm getting one. Like I've ordered my frame. They were on back order. I should be getting it in like the next few days. So what I'm trying to work out is going to spot and making that like episode three of longest off season ever is I'm going to like, I want to go and uh, video them installing the living link because the frames come separate and they put them together at the shop in golden Colorado. And I haven't um, heard back as to whether or not they want to make that public yet. So, you know, I'm really, really excited because I, uh, you know, I've, I've had a a little bit of anxiety wondering what I'm going to ride. Like if I was going to put the trek back together or be able to get a pivot or something, but anyway, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm really excited because it's, it's a super, it's, it's just different. Like it's way different than anything else. Like it, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm just excited to ride it on all the stuff here. Like, cause it's, it just is a, a really unique bike. That's really all I've had going on the last week, I think. Word. So listener Jeff came to town, we rode together and I absolutely totally pile drive my knee into the ground on a ride with him. Um, so that was 11 days ago now. Uh, yeah, so that sucked. Um, I did like a big crushing single speed ride. I think I talked about that. And then shortly after that, I went out and like drove my knee into the ground at full speed. Um, it's been really dry here, like really dry. It just rained for like the first time this well, year. Well, thanks for stealing my thunder. Sorry. Uh, there was no thunder. When <laughs> I hit the ground, thunder struck. <laughs> um, I... uh. Yeah, I was just ripping along and front tire washed out and I just didn't even realize I was wrecking, you know, it was one of those times that like everything was fine and then like boom, still clipped in, my right knee was going onto the ground. Um so yeah, but we still finished up our ride and whatnot and it, it kinda got sore, so I took a little time off the bike, but I've got a couple of days back on the bike now. Oh, I got wheels. That's that's a good one. Oh yeah. Um so that was cool. Um that I did that and being sarcastic, it wasn't cool. It hurt. Still hurts a little bit. It like got all like swollen and stuff. But anyways, um, after that, I decided that I wanted to chop a bunch of weight out of my cross bike. Thought I was going to try to get rid of my Crockett and I really just need to keep it. I need something dedicated to the trainer and I kind of have a plan for the future of what I want to do with, with my bikes that are my personal bikes. And, um, Crockett and Crave are definitely like the two that are my main focus. And, uh, I dropped a new set of wheels and tires on the Crockett. 
Um, I cut about 700 grams out of that bad boy. That is a lot. Of rotational weight. And uh, let me tell you, it turned it into a fucking road bike again. We had like DT Swiss 27.5 Enduro wheels Yeah, I had it. M1700 wheels with Horizon 47 tires. And I went to uh, old spec Roval Control SLs with like pretty light lick skillet tires. Uh, I have a so. Roval story. Uh, hold on. I'm not done. Gee. <laughs> well, go. No, go. Now I'm dying. <laughs> Tell me. Um, so we have sold uh, a bunch of S-Works Epics, and they have the new Roval Control SL, which is a pretty legit light wheel set. I think it's 1,320 grams, which is pretty rowdy, and they're actually pretty wide, uh, but apparently... The, that's a mountain yeah, bike. Apparently, yeah. Like a mountain bike wheel set, 1,300 yeah, grams. Apparently, they're not ready for prime time. Uh, so <laughs> I've had four customers explode them. You don't say. You told us that well, already. We had another one. It's worth We repeating. had another one over the oh. weekend. And it, you know, they DNF them out of a big race. So anyway, it's just a bummer. I'm going to talk with Specialized and see if they have any kind of like resolution or anything. They made the one guy pay for crash replacement, which is like... I don't know. It was borderline. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, that's the thing. You know, if you have a wheel set that's borderline and somebody, you don't even rim strike it. You just, it just, eventually you're going to make a rim that's light enough that when it breaks, it just snaps in half and it looks like a catastrophe. And then you can always just blame it on somebody crashing it. But I don't necessarily think that's the case. And that's where I think this is a difficult situation. So I'll let you guys know what they say, but I'm a little bit bummed. And I guess that's what you, uh, you know, there, I think we might be approaching the limit for how light you can make a mountain bike wheel set and do modern mountain bikey things. Cause you know, stuff's getting more aggressive and bikes are getting more capable and yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think mountain bikes like frames went through that, you know, around like, I don't know, 2012 or 13. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, Niner, like the heyday of the Superfly yeah, 100. Superfly and the Niner. Niner would be the big two that come to mind, and uh, and every Yeti ever built. <laughs> yeah. But moving on, uh, the new wheels are they're really cool. My bike feels like a road bike again. Um, also, something that I'm going to do. I did a lot of nerding out after my bicycle fit that I had done back in. I guess that was like early, early January or late. No. Yeah. It must've been sometime in January, but anyways, um, the Q factor difference between my road crank and my mountain crank is 23 millimeters. The road crank is 145 and the mountain crank is 168. So that's 23 and EC makes a flash three pedal with a plus 12 spindle. So I can put those pedals on my Crockett and the Q factor between the two bikes will be identical, which I'm really excited to try out and see how that goes. So I'm ordering a pair of those pedals and a slightly different set of tires for my wheels tomorrow. I'm going to give back about, I don't know, 65 or 85 grams probably to the, to the total wheel set weight, but still I'm going to be, you know, 600 ish grams down in rotational weight. So pretty excited about that. Honestly, I'm, I'm actually really excited about it. Um, it's pretty cool, but that's, it's kind of what's been going on with me. Uh, crushed myself on the trainer recently and I watched 
I don't know, probably four hours of Perry Roubaix today. So it was really fun. Uh, it's a race that I've always been intrigued by. It's a race that's uh, it's pretty much a cross race on roads. And what I mean by that is like, I guess maybe a better way to put it is it's like as close to a rally race as you can get in professional road cycling. Like bikes get absolutely annihilated. We're using things well past what their intended usage is and they get destroyed. And it's kind of fun to see, not for like the doom and gloom of the riders, but it's just kind of fun to see that like this is as much as a road bike can do. So then when a customer comes in and is like, et cetera, et cetera, I need more bike for this. or And I guess after our last episode, we think everyone should be riding less bike. But, you know, it's just kind of funny when they're like, oh, these rough roads really beat me up. And I'm like, dude, like you wouldn't want a mountain bike on some of the stuff that they like ripped on their road bikes. So what so. happened with Sagan? Did he like, did his stem come loose and he tightened it while he was riding or some kind of shit? <laughs> he, so he went to the car and he like gets an Allen wrench and he like gets away from the car. And then he like goes back and he like, I'm sure in Slovakian is like, no fucker, the other size, like I need a four, not a five. And he got a different Allen wrench and rode <laughs> away from the car and then tightened all of his stem bolts while riding. And then, like the true champion that he is, went back to the car and gave the wrench back. He didn't throw it away. That's nice. I'll bet you it was a T25. And he was like, God damn it. Stupid T25s. <laughs> um, Probably. Maybe. But um, trying to think of anything, if anything else has been going on. But did I talk about that Dekine hip bag? No. I haven't. I didn't have it. It was on Instagram. Yeah, so I got a Dekine hip pack, the Hot Laps five liter. Is that a works uh, really well? Is that like a a man purse? It's a fanny. It's a fanny pack. Oh, it's a fanny fanny pack pack. for mountain biking. So it holds a two liter reservoir and has room for all kinds of other crap in it, and it's totally cool. So ridden with it a few times. A man purse is called a European carry all. So is that called like a a bro carry all? I think it would be a bro all or, or a burst. Mm, no, because a bursa is in your knee, and I wouldn't want anyone to think you need to put a knee pad around your hip pack. Um, I think it's a... Well, we, I, need, we need a witty name. It's, for, a fucking, it's a fanny pack with a water thing in it that you can strap a flannel to we need a winning uh, name for a uh um what about what about enduro purse or enduro satchel yes <laughs> okay yes you got an enduro satchel i got an enduro satchel that's what it is yeah, so you can carry your potato chips show enough <laughs> um and we had a party at the shop we had our 19th year anniversary the shop had its opening May 1st of 99 grand opening was May 15th of 99. And we had our, we do our customer like appreciation party a little early just so we can like not be totally slammed. Uh, and Earl and I made like 35 pounds of fresh fried French fries. Like we scrubbed, chopped and fried like 35 pounds of fries is pretty cool. But yeah, that's, that's all I got. So Andrew's getting a new bike. I got new wheels. Kenny wants a shock whiz and uh, new control SLs are sketchy. 
I have some old ones. If you want old non-boost control SLs, get it, your boy. I got some hanging in the shop. I'll sling them. Uh, let's knock out a couple of listener questions and let it shut this bitch down. All right, cool. So we got some quickies. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find one that's like, I want to go through the, I'm just going to start at the top. Here we go. Let's see. Uh, Brady from Wisconsin says, Hey Matt, trainer season is coming to an end for most of us. At least. Can you give us all a quick and dirty rundown on what we should service on our trainer bike before taking it outside? One of my old coworkers had a dedicated trainer bike, but not everyone can afford that luxury. What should we clean and grease? Um, yes. Um, you should drop the fork and take the headset out. Um, probably remove the water bottle, bottle cage. Um, even if you didn't use it while, well, cause I, I set my bottles like on the shelf next to the trainer, but you sweat down into there. So take the water bottle bolts out and just kind of clean those, make sure there's a little fresh grease on the threads. Um, you could even take your seat post out. Like if you're a heavy sweater, take your seat post out, um, clean inside your frame, um, you know, wipe it off, put a little fresh grease or carbon, uh, some friction paste on your seat post. Uh, really that like, I don't know if you are like doing hours and hours and hours, like my trainer rides at the most are an hour and a half. If you're doing like three and four hour rides on the trainer, you might even want to like pull your bottom bracket and make sure the sweat hasn't gotten in there. Pretty much anything where your body sweat can get, you know, like run down the frame and get into a crack. You need to take that apart and clean it and just make, make sure there's not just sweat sitting in there and salt and all that stuff. You know, it's basically, it's like riding your bike on a salty road. You know, you don't want that stuff to stay in there. You want to get it out But Yeah, do that. Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that I am looking for a trainer bike. So if you have something in the 52 centimeter range that just has like a chain and a derailleur and handlebars and wheels, I have that. We we already talked about this. All right. That's fine. We might be able to find something better because our listeners are cool. All but right. Yeah, keep going. I mean, I, no, that's it. I would just overhaul my bike. I mean, end of trainer season should be overhaul your bike, make it fresh for the new year, new cables and housing. Uh, the other thing that maybe gets, maybe gets overlooked is unwrap the handlebars and make sure that the handlebars aren't like salt corroding through. Yeah. Basically, everywhere where your sweat touches the bike, you need to take it apart and clean it. Put it back together. Giddy up. Yep. Um, Andrew L. has a question about a Nashville trip. My company is taking everyone to Nashville for a weekend trip in May. A couple of co-workers and myself are thinking about renting bikes and getting an afternoon ride in on the Friday we fly in. I was wondering if you had any good info on where to rent and if it's even possible to make something happen with just an afternoon worth of time to get a ride in probably won't have a vehicle or anything. Not sure if they shuttle you anywhere down there. If you rent, I've done a little research to see what's close by. We're staying pretty much downtown. One of the guys is a manager, so we might get a rental car. You never know. Thanks in advance for your input. And I got feedback from uh, drew from Trailcast, And he says that if you were to rent bikes from Fondo trail and fitness, you can ride maybe two ish miles to Percy Warner park. Boom. My recommendation so would be it's definitely on the outskirts of Nashville, but I would ride Lock 4. I think it's a pretty cool trail. 
Yeah, I did a six-hour race there once. It was fun. Yeah, it's just a good trail. It's, yeah, I think it's pretty representative of like a southern trail. Nothing like super techie or anything like that, but some of the descents are uh, just real fast, a little bit gravelly. Um, other than that, it's just kind of some good up-down stuff, and it's just a pretty well-built trail. Not good in the rain, though. If it's even remotely rainy, don't even bother because it will turn into a giant mud hole. So probably completely avoid it in April and May. <laughs> I'm being serious. No, I'm just saying, like, it's just funny that, like, it's like, yeah, yeah. And by the way, the worst time of year to try to ride in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's uh what's the one that's like the really technical rocky one? Oh, fuck. Hamilton Creek or something like Maybe that. Maybe that's where I did a race. I don't know. No, it was probably lot four had a six hour race, but. Well, there's Montgomery Bell. That that place sucks, though. All right. Regardless, I'm going to get Drew and Andrew together to figure out what they should do. But I think Kenny's got it nailed. If it's rainy, don't bother. Yeah, I think it is Hamilton Creek. It's very Silamo-ish. So it's like got a an area that's like super technical and rocky. All right. Tal from Dallas has a question about why is it so hard to install eagle cassettes he says hey y'all despite y'all don't like yetis very much i ride one an sb5 from 2016 and love it a few months ago i changed the cassette and found that installing the new one was a pain i had to screw it in and at the last half align the splines on the hub to the ones on the cassette body screwing goes with the same power in so there's no way to feel the splines go well or not also very hard to see the splines alignment at the engagement point do you have any tips on how to better how to do it better and not damage the cassette and hub. In the end, I had it installed, but I nearly ruined the cassette screwing. Uh, now for the fun. I I like the spirit of the show, and I don't really give a fuck for Yeti. It was a super awesome deal for a carbon super bike with very good suspension and the right bike for me. He got it from Backcountry for a screaming deal. Uh, thanks and happy riding, Tal from Dallas. Like, how do you, like, I don't know. I've never ran into this when installing, but like, yeah, I think that he's doing something very wrong because it's actually the opposite of way around. So you, those splines should engage before the threads engage. So you should be able to rotate that thing around and you'll feel it like click into place and you kind of hold it once it's found one of those little, because I don't think it, uh, I think it can clock in every single one of those positions. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, you just clock it in and you'll feel it kind of grab one of those positions, hold it down while you uh, tighten it up and that's it. So I don't, I don't understand how he's having a problem. <laughs> so he might he might be the person that can like break a crowbar i don't know maybe it's a texas thing i don't know <laughs> uh it's cool man we're making we're making uh we're making fun of you but he's an adult so he'll be fine oh, i found the video someone posted the video of sagan adjusting his stem at 45 kilometers per hour um all right so next question joe r has it band issues howdy I tried the Midnight Start Pisca 36 race a few weeks back and found myself on the pointy end of the field, even though I didn't feel like I was going that hard. I ignored being ahead of where I should be, flew the fuck it flag, and set a PR on the one and a half hour walk up Farlow Gap at 2 a.m. <laughs> Fast forward 12 hours, and I'm in third or second, but the backs and outsides of both knees were screaming. I pulled the plug, went home, and angri- angrily fell asleep halfway into a bowl of mac and cheese. <laughs> The next day, I did some Googling and found out that, yes, I do, in fact, have IT bands and that I'd irritated them pretty badly. Foam rolling, rest, and ice got them back to normal, but I don't want to do this again. 
hearing that Dead Sea Salty Andrea is doing some running <laughs> and knowing her educational and single speedy background, I was wondering if she or Matt or Kenny, because, you know, you just had to be nice and think we would know shit about how our bodies work. Had any advice on how to strengthen and change myself to avoid IT issues in the future? Never dealt with it before, even on multi-day bikepacking trips involving much single speed driven, angry H-A-B. What's H-A-B? Hike a bike. Oh, okay. P.S. Andrea, the Pisgah 36 hasn't been finished by a woman. It needs to be. Joe. Oh, yeah, I could do that. I don't even know what it is really, but I could do it. <laughs> so my advice to Joe via email was take care of your, even though you've done lots of stuff before, take care of yourself before you have a problem. And it usually seems to help you not have a problem. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, even though this is the first year that I've done a lot of strength training in the off season, um, I, I think that it, I feel like I, I'm more prepared for pretty much everything because of that. And it doesn't have to be like super heavy strength training. Like I've been doing, I've been working with a trainer and doing like a lot of kettlebell stuff. And I think it's, it's good for me. Like if, if you're trying to be like the biggest, strongest person out there, um, just lifting kettlebells isn't going to be what does it. It's going to be like loading up a bar with 500 pounds and doing some fucking squats. But if you want to um, just get, I, I hate the word functionally stronger, but that's really kind of what you're doing. Like improve your body's function and improve your strength when your body is functioning how you need it to function as in like hike a biking or pedaling or whatever it is you're doing. Um, I think it's really good for that because at some point, like you're, you know, if you can imagine like your hamstrings are at like 85% strength and your quads are, you know, like your hamstrings are on the back of your leg, your quads are in the front, your quads are at a hundred percent. If you can strengthen your hamstrings up to a hundred percent and everything's working at 100%, then that's where you can kind of like stop and maintain. Like you don't have to keep going stronger than that, but you need everything to be able to work really well together. And I think that's where avoiding things like IT band pain or like overuse injuries or stuff like that. I think that's where strength training really comes into play for endurance athletes. So, you know, I, I think that's the route I would take is some strengthening um, not necessarily super heavy stuff, but just strengthening all the little muscles and correcting all the imbalances that you may have from just riding all the time, uh, as well as lots of taking care of yourself with maybe some yoga and foam rolling. Like foam rolling is a really good thing. I don't know how much time you spend, um, you know, looking at the internet, like looking at Twitter, Facebook, you know, social media, like just kind of mindlessly scrolling through stuff like Instead of doing that, like pay attention to how long you do that and then take half that time that you do it like before work, after work or whenever and spend that time foam rolling like your legs and even like your arms and shoulders. Like you can take a tennis ball and roll on your back. Like, you know, take, take care of your body. Like really, really, you know, not just with the training, like making yourself faster, but you have to, you know, it's think of your body as the F1 car. Like you can't just always go out and turn like, 10,000 RPM laps, you have to also like rebuild the motor every now and then. All right. So I would basically, I would say the same thing. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of my buddies have had issues with knee, just knee stuff in general while cycling after they've kind of gotten pretty fast. And I think it's just a more of an imbalance issue is what they all found. 
so obviously, if you have a ridiculous riding position, that could be it. So I wouldn't overlook that, but it's probably not really a riding position thing. It's probably a, as a cyclist, you just like Andrea said, you've got certain muscles that overtake others and you get this weird imbalance and it's that imbalance that's causing you uh, an issue. So I think you'd be surprised. It's not really the knee itself. That's the problem. It's something else causing a knee uh, knee issue. Yeah. Like I, I have a spot in my left quadricep that will literally like the muscle when I flex it, it will be like this weird dent in the muscle if I don't regularly roll the muscle and that's when like my left knee will start to hurt. Like when that spot starts to get tight and like knotted up just that one spot in the muscle, if I keep that nice and like smooth and relaxed, it never gives me any problems. So yeah, that kind of thing, you know, look for imbalances. You can talk to, um, you know, even like a physical therapist and look at like dry needling and stuff. I know you were talking about hike a bike. Uh, I don't know what shoes you're wearing. I'm guessing if you're pretty fast, you're not wearing like hiking shoes while you're riding. Sounds like you're a pretty fast dude. So I would say look for something that's maybe not your typical. If you're going to do a lot of hike a bike, maybe not your typical carbon sold cross country shoe. I like the Shimano Enduro shoes. They're almost as stiff, but they have a lot more tread and just the shape of them and the little bit of flex in the toe I find makes me way more comfortable. And it, it makes my legs not hurt as bad when I'm hike biking. Like it's, it's a really awkward hike biking in cross country shoes is super awkward and like just makes parts of your legs and your body hurt. Um, so if you can have a more normal gait when you're hike biking, I find that it is much more tolerable and you can do it way faster. Like I took a ton of time off of my vapor trail hike a bike just by wearing different shoes and they're not like the sneaker looking shoes. They're still a, a real cycling shoe, but they're just, they just have a tiny bit more tread and flex built into them. So, you know, I'd say switch to something like that, fix your muscle imbalances, do just, you know, a little bit of quote unquote functional strength training. It makes me nauseous to say that word because it's so trendy, but it's, um, you know, at the nuts and bolts of it, it's true. You know, so do that kind of stuff. Take care of your body. uh, Roll your muscles. That's it. All right. This crock pot smells good. We should stop soon. We have just a, a quickie here. Tom T has some foxy business. Uh, he had a really hard time getting the air can off of a float CTD DRCB shock, and it seemed to strip the threads on the end of the shock because uh, the air can kind of blew off when he and he guess he damaged the last thread. Um, have I seen this before? How do I not do this again? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so also he was trying to make sure that two shocks were inter changeable and the uh person at fox when he's like well it's not a he's like uh i have this part number it's on the ebay listing and the guy at fox hung up on him so uh, (laughs) anyways um awesome good job fox i don't really have any like so is there really a good trick to making i guess if the shock's not visibly stuck down there should be no reason for there to be air in the shock Yeah. So he either did not get all of the air out of the positive or, um, it had that stuck down condition. So if you ever have a rear shock, um, after you take the air out, if the stanchion, uh, sucks down into the shock, 
like significantly more than just like if it's you know like 10 mil or something probably not a big deal but if it sucks like all the way down in there that's super bad and when you go to pull uh when you go to pull that can off it's gonna blow off at you sounds like, like what happened i've had some that sucked hurt. down a tiny bit and then it does come off with a little bit of force oh we lost kenny oh oh um forging onward uh what kenny said well it's yeah so if it's gonna blow off and i'll just say the way that i know i have all the positive air out every time is i pull the core yeah you can pull the valve core out not you can i always do i don't remove an air cap on a fork or an air can on a shock with the valve core in place because like is it overkill of course but do i know that nothing's going to hit me in the face pretty much um uh, pretty much we said it should never stick down uh, when in doubt or what I always do is pull the valve core so you can't have air in there like it's just not possible because the core's out you can look in there then you know well it'll still it can still be in the negative side like if it's sucked down well, it's not going to do anything in a not stuck down situation is what I'm getting at yeah I don't really have much other than that to add to the the foxy business so <laughs> word well cool Everyone, thank you for listening. Until next time, I don't know, don't hit your head against the wall too hard until the next show comes out. Take care. That is all, just Ryan Long and listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. And a special thanks goes out to Red Wolf Tours for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to head over to redwolftours.com and follow them on Instagram at redwolftours. That's it. Have a great week. See you later. Now she getting rough. You're thinking that you need to sell all your stuff. When it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone to fucking shit up. You suck. Try to get a new head before you get a bike. Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side. Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better. Maybe then you make a cheddar instead of looking like a lame ass. And if you get confused, you can ask J R A. Get hip to the name, cause they be the realest and you sucker is lame. It is a shame, but that's why you listen to J.R.A. They teach you the way, and they can explain why. Jelly beans.